right, welcome to the Volcanic Podcast. I'm Aaron Brewer, your host, and this is episode number four. And we're going to dive right back in where we left off from episode three called Born Again. And I'm going to recommend, go back and listen to that one first before you listen to this one or watch it. Uh, Because each one is going to be kind of building off of each other as we progress in these next handful of episodes. So um, just a small recap, just to remind you, for those of you who did watch it, Born Again, that's what the name of the title was. So what we discussed and what we talked about and what we read through scripture was, what does it actually mean to be born again? What does it really mean and what does it really not? And so we established up until that point. So now we are picking up that we are born again, and what did the blood of Jesus actually pay for and actually do for your life here? Not in heaven, but here on earth. And that's the hang-up, is we think born again, we got saved, and we're going to heaven. Click! I'm done. I'm going to check out and ride this wave all the way until my day I depart from the earth, and I'll just be with Jesus, and I won't do anything for God on earth. Okay. All right. Little facetious, little out there, but you know, I'm trying to make a point. There's a lot of people live that way, and so uh, we're going to pick off, uh, pick up now. You're born again, and and some of the questions that that are going to come in is, Aaron, what do I actually do? And this is for people who've been born again uh, for 20 years and been in the church and served. Okay, this is not just. This is for both the brand new and the person who's been around for 20 plus years following Jesus. Because there's some some misconceptions and some deceptions that have actually been taught in the church that keeps people bound. But the blood of Jesus actually paid for you to be completely and totally set free. So, um, I want to really harp and beat down on the reality that born again means actually... It's, it's a real, actual born-again experience on the inside. You're like a baby on the inside, and you grow from there. Okay, you, you grow and progress, and you don't grow and progress necessarily at the same rate as you would a natural body, obviously. Uh, people can progress from being a brand-new born in Christ to mature in, in, in a matter of maybe just a year two years. There's a lot of maturity that can happen. And there's a lot of immaturity that people can stay in, even though they've been saved and born again for 20 years. Okay. So what I'd like to do is let's start with Adam and Eve. Um, I want to start there um, because uh, we need to go back to the origin of everything. The way that Jesus desires and the way the Father and the Spirit has set everything up is that we would return Okay, back to the garden as if we never sinned, just like Adam and Eve started. And so we know, if you've been around on the earth, you know whether you're saved or not, whether you've given your life to Jesus, you know the story of Adam and Eve, right? So Adam and Eve were born into perfection. The presence of God was completely and totally connected to the realm of earth. Heaven and earth were just like this big hodgepodge of glory. It was amazing, right? And then what happens is Satan enters the picture, as we all know. He slithers in like the freaking snake he is, lies, and says, hey, you're missing something, guys. If you really want to become like God, do this. They were already like God, literally lacking nothing. 
But if you'll do this and you'll eat this and you'll partake of this and try this, you'll be more like him. They believed it. They tried it. And then sinners, the picture. Okay, Adam blew it. So did Eve. They both blew it. But interesting enough, Jesus comes along and says, you know, I'll be born. Okay, though I'm God, I'm going to lay and uh, and strip myself of my divine rights and I'll be a person, a human being. I'm going to become a man and I'm going to be born and I'm going to enter this world. I'm going to literally fulfill everything that was dropped from the point of Adam. And that's why the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Spirit. So what I'm trying to say is Jesus is called the last Adam, meaning what the first Adam in the garden forfeited, Jesus did not forfeit, but actually fulfilled and regained every single thing that was lost by the blood he shed on the cross. And as he arose from the dead and ascended to heaven, he now says, hey, guys, there's a way to get back to where the garden and Adam and Eve, all of that perfection and beauty started. There's a way, and it's called receiving me into your life, applying the blood to your heart, believing in me and following after me. Then you'll return to the garden state. So literally when you get born again, that is the reality on the inside. The thing we get stuck in is this brain, this mind, the way we think and the way we feel, these emotions lead us astray. And the devil comes and he plays off of that. So this is the importance that you know you're actually born again, you're brand new, as if you never sinned. You actually are. Because that's what born again actually means. It means now you literally got a brand new life and you you didn't sin. It's 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 gone. He erased it. You had a past, but that's not who you are anymore because you were born again. Man, I hope I'm making sense. I said born again like 800 times, but maybe some of us are going to get it now. All right. So I want to combat some some false thinking, thinking and teaching that is in the body of Christ that keeps people in sin. Jesus paid for sin for us to stop sinning, to get out of sin and out of crazy lifestyles and thinking. And so how many of you have heard of this, this, this terminology and these phrases and these statements along the lines of, we're all just sinners in need of a Savior? Even after you're born again, even after you're saved, this language is taught. People have been saved for 20 years and they're like, no, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That isn't true. That's actually false teaching. And that will actually keep an individual in bondage for the rest of their life. Because Jesus does not look at you as a sinner. You are now saved. You are now born again. You're a son or a daughter of the Father God. You're not a sinner. Don't hit, don't miss, mishear what I'm saying. We still need, we do need Jesus. We do need a Savior. We do need Jesus. But our identity is not a sinner. It's a, it's, it's a son. It's a daughter. Um, you don't have a sin nature after you get born again. You, you can't. It's, it, it's literally impossible for you to possess both a sin nature and a born again nature. Adam did not start with a sin nature. Jesus Christ did not have a sin nature. And here's the beauty. 
We were all born under Adam. Guess what? He was born in, we were born into sin because of what Adam did in the garden. But when we get born again, we're not born under the seed. Oh my gosh, come on, I'm preaching. Under the seed of Adam, we're born under the seed of Christ who was sinless. So when you are born again, the seed of Christ is in you and that's how you become born again and you're brand new as if you never sinned because you you are now sinless from the moment you you literally get born again sin was eradicated you are completely clean the problem is we just don't believe it and so if we are sin conscious all the time and saying i'm just a sinner i'm just a sinner i'm just a sinner instead of i'm a son and now i have no obligation to sin what do you think you're going to do you're probably going to sin all the time. Why? Because that's all you think. You believe you still are. Therefore, you produce what you believe you are. But if we believe what the blood of Jesus paid for, then we become what the blood of Jesus paid for. And that's free in him. I know some of you will think I'm pre preaching heresy. I'm, I'm not trying to stir up controversy. I'm not trying to just throw out a bomb and watch people squirm. I'm here literally for truth. I'm here... Because this promotes fruit. It promotes fruit in Christ. I'm going to prove it to you that you don't have a sin nature. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Number uh, Verse 4. By these he has given us a very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. We share the divine nature with Jesus. Jesus had the divine nature, not a sin nature. When you get born again, it's by his grace you didn't earn it. You just said, yes, I want it. He gives it to you. You got a brand new nature. You have a Jesus nature now. And we become sons and daughters. You are not a sinner in need of a savior. You have the savior you continue to rely on him, but as a son, welcomed into the Father's house. You're a new creation, totally set free. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and look, new things have come. You can't have both at the same time. Okay? You can't have a... a jacked up sin nature and a brand new divine nature and you can't be your old creation and your new creation at the same time the truth is you're brand new the problem is sometimes we don't believe we are therefore we produce fruit as if we weren't so if we correct what we believe therefore our actions start producing the fruit of christ the fruit of the spirit and so we are not obligated to sin you can sin Look at Adam and Eve, perfect in the garden. There was no sin, but they chose to sin. It's You are capable, but not obligated. Before Christ, you were obligated to sin. You couldn't help but sin because you were a sinner. The beauty is you're not now, so you don't have to. That's the truth. It's an insult to the blood of Jesus if we say that all we can do is sin and by we're just going to scrape by in this life, but praise God for his mercy and his grace. That's an insult to what Jesus paid for. You're literally got a billion dollar check 
and you're like, I'll take a dollar. You know, I mean, I mean, I'll just use a dollar of it. I mean, dude, you got a billion dollars and you just want to use one, one dollar for the rest of your life. Come on. Jesus's blood was costly. Let's, let's experience the fullness of what he paid for. Two scriptures we're going to read. Uh, we're going to read two scriptures that are predominantly used to preach and teach that you are still a sinner and you're going to sin and all you're going to do is mess up. But we just praise God. We got a savior named Jesus. It's twisted and it keeps people in bondage. Um, so track with me, guys. Man, I know this is man. I'm just shooting straight out of this uh, uh, into this podcast, and it's very important that we believe the truth so that you can produce the fruit of the truth. Because the truth is what sets you free. And if you don't believe the truth, you're believing a lie. And if you believe a lie, you don't produce the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Father. Don't you think He wants you to be free? Don't you think you, you could live a life free from the obligation to sin? That you could go, wait, I've been given a great gift called freedom in Christ. I can say no to this. Okay, track with me here. Here we go. Romans 7, 14 through 19, 1 John 1 through 8. These are very controversial and people use them again to teach that you are going to sin and that's all you can do. That's all you can do is we just sin, but praise God, we got Jesus. I'm here to show you what the Holy Spirit has revealed through me, to me through the scripture to make this very clear and very plain so that we can all be on the same page. So I'm going to read four verses here, okay? Four or five verses, and then we're going to go to 1 John. So we're going to talk about these two, and then we're going to wrap it up. It's going to be a very straightforward uh, episode. So Romans 7, 14 through 19 says this. This is Paul, the apostle, talking. Okay, We're going to read it, and then we're going to digest it, and we're going to talk about the verses before and after, the chapters before and after. So in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who is doing it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. We'll stop there. Notice very key phrases here. He, Paul says he, he was, he's, I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I can't do what I don't, I, I can't do what I want to do. I want to do what's right, but I just can't. It's in my sinful nature. And people go, see, see, even Paul, oh, my, the dude who wrote basically the whole New Testament. Oh my God, he can't do it. I can't do it. We're all, we're all, we're all done for. This is just not possible. Paul just couldn't help but sin and he scraped by. Guys, I want to show you what's actually happening in this passage. I know what we have to do is read the whole book, first of all. Read the whole New Testament, first of all, to get the whole context of the blood of Jesus and the freedom in Christ. Okay, But if you read in the passages before in Romans 6 and then part of 7 as well further on, 
I counted 19 references that Paul states you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. We no longer have an obligation to sin. We have been cut off from sin and we are alive in Christ. 19 verses. There could be more. That's just the one I counted. So Paul is, is, is saying you're dead to sin, you're dead to sin, over and over and over. And then we get to this little passage of five verses that says some weird stuff. And then he starts talking about the freedom in Christ again after these verses. So either Paul's schizophrenic and crazy, or you and I have been missing something for a very long time. So what is Paul saying in these passages if he's not saying he's sold as a slave to sin, he has a sin nature, and all he can do is what he doesn't want to do? He's saying that he is really talking about himself in the state before Christ following the law to the best of his ability apart from Christ, trying to attain his own righteousness. You should listen to Breaking the Power of Religion. He was trying to do the right thing. Ennis already wanted to do right, but he couldn't. He was using this not only about himself, but anyone who wants to live for God, but do it apart from the blood of Jesus will end up doing this very cycle, what you don't want to do. You'll want to do right, but you can't because you have sin in you. And you're trying to fulfill your own righteousness through the law, through doing works. And you can't. So you end up living in a sin cycle. You have a sin nature, so you continue it. So what better person to know this than Paul himself? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said, of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, according to the law, he was flawless. But he still had to be born again and accept Jesus as a Lord. And he was trying to say, guys, if you want to live this way, you'll never be free. This was me in my old way of living, constantly wanting to do right, but I couldn't because I was sold as a slave to sin. Do you think Paul was actually talking about himself current day in that moment? And he had just made 19 references and then follows up all the other verses talking about who can free me from this cycle in chapter 8. Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ is the answer. And then he goes and he writes Galatians and he talks about walking in the Spirit and being free. I mean, come on, guys. We use these few passages to teach why you're going to sin instead of teaching the body of Christ why you do not have to, why you're not obligated, and why there's freedom in Christ. Why do we look for ways to sin in the body of Christ? What It doesn't make sense. I hope this is setting somebody free. So we can't attain it in our own strength. We need the blood of Jesus. That's why Paul was able to make those two comparisons because he had experienced both realms. He, he was not struggling with sin every day. Just I just keep sinning. He was saying, if you want to live this way, guys, this is your result. But thanks God, be to God, Jesus Christ, who can free us from this. He's our answer if you want to get out of that cycle. Okay, let's look at the other controversial uh, text here in 1 John 5 through 10. So five verses. Now, this is the message we have heard from him declared to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. 
If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses, uh, blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not living in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we don't have any sin and we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, verse 8 and 10 are the two biggest hangups. What are they saying? What is John the apostle, the beloved saying here? Is he saying we can't, we call God a liar if we don't admit we're, we just live in sin all the time? Wait a minute. That doesn't that doesn't line up with the text that we've been listening to thus far and reading thus far. I want I want to I want to before I digest this with you. I just want to go a little bit further here in in First John two twenty six. I want you to listen to this. I have written these things to you. Okay, same author, John the apostle saying, "Hey guys, I wrote you this letter right here." For this reason, I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody was trying to deceive this audience. Okay, let's start putting things together. What is he saying? If he's not saying that you have sin, you have to admit it or else you call God a liar. Okay, first of all, we have fellowship with him. In him, there's no darkness. There's no sin in Christ. Okay? And if we have fellowship with him, we share in that fellowship. Therefore, we should not have sin in us either. And it says if we ask for forgiveness, he cleanses us from all sin and all unrighteousness. Not some. All. 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 So what is he talking about here? If he's saying if we have no sin then we're deceiving ourselves. We make God out to be a liar. If you keep saying, we don't don't have sin, his word's not in you. Here's what's going on. In that current day, you have to do a little research. There was Gnosticism being taught to believers and in in general at that time, which was what? Essentially, these people were teaching, you don't need the blood of Jesus. You don't need the cross. You are already righteous. You are already, you already have light in you. They were teaching that there was this secret knowledge and there's secret light that's already in you. And if you just tap into it, you will find wholeness and perfection. And what is... Again, John was doing, he's saying here in verse 226, in chapter 2, verse 26, I've written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. He was saying, hey, people, if you haven't been born again, don't deceive yourself. If you say, I don't have sin, you're deceiving yourself and making God out to be a liar. You have to repent of your sin and then he'll cleanse you of all your sins. He wasn't talking to a group of people that were um, that were uh, mostly not saved. They were talking about an audience that was saved. But if people were trying to 
follow Jesus apart from repenting, he was talking to them saying, hey, hold on. Don't believe Gnosticism. Don't believe people who are teaching that you don't need the blood of Jesus. You need it. And you have to repent. And then he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You can't live your life for Jesus apart from repentance, apart from the blood. Gnosticism says you don't need the blood. You don't need the cross. You're already righteous. John's like, hey, I got to write this letter so that people don't get deceived. Read this to the congregation. There might be someone out there that actually hasn't been born again. Tell them they need to repent. And then Jesus will clean them up completely and wholly and nothing will be lacking. Okay. I'm just going to prove some more things to you from the book of John, 1 John. Okay. If you don't believe me, John 2.21, 1 John 2.2, excuse me, 1 John 2.1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm also writing to you these saying, there's people out trying to deceive you. And I'm also writing so that you won't sin, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's saying, hey, look, if you do, it's he knew it was possible and you're capable of sin if you sin. Just repent and say, God, forgive me. That's not who I am. I'm not a sinner. I bit down on a line I shouldn't have. Lord, thank you for your blood that made me hold so that I don't have to keep doing this over and over. Thank you for your grace that sets me free from repeating this crazy cycle. Okay, 1 John 3, 6. Everyone who remains in him, being Jesus, does not sin or keep sinning. Everyone who sins or keeps on sinning has not seen him or known him. Do you see how that doesn't fit with the prior text up here in uh, the first chapter of John? How he's saying, hey, look, I write to you. People are trying to deceive you. I'm I'm writing so that you don't sin. And if you keep sinning, you don't know him. You've never seen him. Dude, 1 John 3, 7 through 10. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what's right is righteous, and he, just as he is righteous. Verse 8, the one who commits or practices, makes a practice of sin, is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who, was, who has been born of God does not sin. And that context means practice sin, continue doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over because his seed, uh uh-oh, remember that, remains in him. He's not able to sin, keep on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know that God's, who who God's children are and the devil's children are, are made, this is how they're made evident. That's a lot. I'm going to encourage you to go read these texts and read these scriptures. John and Paul are making it very clear. Listen, if you've been born of God, you don't just keep sinning. You don't. There's text after text after text that shows how you're free. And that if you just say you're born again and all you do is reproduce the same sin for the rest of your life, it shows I don't see him. I don't, I've never seen Jesus for who he is, because if I really saw Jesus for who it is, it would break here. It would break, and I'd be I'd be brand new. I would know what he paid for. So, guys, listen. Why is this so important? 
It's so important because we've been taught in the church to be sin conscious. We've been taught to look at sin instead of look at Jesus and to focus on the blood and to focus on, my God, to focus on what he paid for. He's given you freedom and we want to, we teach people how to stay in prison cells called sin instead of teaching people how the blood of Jesus gets you out of prison and into freedom. So this is what I want to do as I wrap up this podcast. As I want to challenge you, don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you understand the the, the price that was paid for your freedom. You're not a sinner in need of a Savior. You need to know that. God wants you free and whole. And it's not blasphemy to say that you don't have to sin. Jesus came for the reason to destroy the devil's work. What was the devil's work? Go back to the beginning. Sin. Separation from God. He came to eradicate it, to bring us back to the presence of God. Period. There is no argument with that. He came for wholeness. He said, I want to restore what happened in the garden so that people Billions of people on planet Earth could accept me and my work that I've done on the cross and be just like Adam and Eve were before the fall, before the sin. That's what he wants for you and I. And here's the beauty, guys. If you find yourself in a sin cycle and you're like, oh my God, am I not saved? You know if you're saved or not. You know if you've given your life to Jesus. Here's the second question. Is if you already know you've given your life to Jesus, maybe you need to evaluate, have I believed lies? Do I believe this is who I am? Do I believe that I'm a sinner? Or do I believe I can change and I can say no to sin? Okay, He's done his work. You take his work and put it into action. You go, no thought, no sin. I will not participate. The grace of God gives us the ability to say no to ungodliness. That's what I believe is in Titus, if I'm thinking off the cusp. It teaches us to say no to sin, no to ungodliness, and you can do it because he paid a price. He came to destroy the devil's work, and he did destroy the devil's work. It's accomplished. It's finished. His work is finished. Receive his finished work. Apply it to your life. And if you're in a sin cycle, and if you, maybe you're not in a sin cycle, or maybe you just mess up, maybe you maybe you sinned, this is what you do. You say, Jesus, I thank you right now that that's not who I am. Thank you, Lord, and teach me right now and remind me of your truth and help me not walk back into that same cycle. Thank you for your grace. And and if you mess up again, keep declaring the truth. You will be free of it. That's the truth. That's the truth. You'll be set free. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to wrap up. Lord, I thank you right now for every person that is in the scope of my voice. I pray for the peace of God, the shalom of God to rest and fall on them. Lord, I thank you for your truth, the truth of the blood of Jesus that would come to them and cut out all the lies about what you did for them and about who they are and who you are. Lord, I thank you. Make this plain to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to uh, the next couple episodes. It's just going to increase. We're going to get deeper into God's word. We're going to get deeper into who you are and what's available for the life of a believer. It's going to be awesome. So continue to watch, continue to listen. Please subscribe. Please smash the bells. Do all the things. 
keep up. It's going to it's going to get good. It's going to get better and you are going to live free in Christ. So, see you on the next episode.